Good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces, and welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. In this podcast, today, we're going to discuss conspiracy theories and the groups that promote and believe them. Today, we'll lead off with Matthew 24, verses 3 through 5. As usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we'll reference and read today, and we'll put those in the comments and overview. So with the truth being out there, as the X-Files tells us, and trust no one under the influence of the Holy Scriptures, let's just dig right in. Okay, conspiracy theories is the topic for this podcast. Here's a quote from ABC News Internet of January 10th of this year. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, people around the world have been trying to understand where it came from. In an effort to explain the medical mystery, many have turned to conspiracy theories and not for the first time in history. Joseph Asinski, professor of political science at the University of Miami, tells ABC that, particularly in the U.S., there's been a long, there's long been a, quote, feeling that there are secret cures out there that are being hidden by either the government or by pharmaceutical companies, mm. end quote. The article goes on to say, quote, but health and disease-related conspiracy theories predate modern governments and companies. In fact, they date all the way back to ancient times, end of quote. Well, that's true. And throughout history, conspiracy theories of all kinds abound up to modern times. And of course, there are the conspiracy theories about the last election being stolen. The left accuses the right of all kinds of conspiracy theories about that. And the right says they're not theories, they're the truth. Uh, the problem with conspiracy theories as to truth is this. Some conspiracy theories turn out to be true, some do not. Remember the assassination of Abraham Lincoln? Well, of course you don't, but historically <laughs> do, speaking, do you? <laughs> yeah, I'm just about there. No, uh, In the history books, the memory of history, and we all know that was a conspiracy. Absolutely. Ah, JFK. Quite frankly, my opinion, who knows? Maybe. I, I don't know. But never Grover Cleveland. But never was, Grover yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. No, not him. <laughs> and the moon landing was a fake. That was around uh, in the late 60s, early 70s. You say, well, nobody believed that. Listen, when I was in the Air Force, stationed in Loring Air Force Base, Maine, which is now defunct, and that's no conspiracy. We worked with a fellow named Sergeant Grissom, good old boy. I think he'd been in the Air Force for like 45 years or something. <laughs> and we got to talking to some of those younger guys about landing on the moon and on all that and, and the goodness of it and what's going to happen and so forth and so on. Um, but these rockets going up, and, you know, going into outer space and all of that, um, Sergeant Grissom said, nah. No, it's fake. It's all fake. And we looked at him and we said, Sarge, how, how's it fake? How'd they do that? He says, in all seriousness, he says, marriage. <laughs> Did it with marriage. <laughs> and we just looked at each other and said, okay, thank you, Sarge. Let's get back to work. <laughs> but what is the greatest conspiracy and who is behind it? As we shall see, there's only one conspiracy to be concerned with. The scriptures are clear as to the way to handle it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hmm. All other conspiracies are not the concern of the Christian. Even QAnon and its conspiracy theories, some of you out there may be familiar with that. 
Uh, people who are uh, unsettled, are not stable in the faith, have even been sucked in by various conspiracies, including that one. Randy and I are familiar with that happening. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've known people in my life who are unsettled by the theories that go around, conspiracy theories these days on our cultural narrative that's been dominating uh, our culture for some time. And people get sucked in by this. Uh, why do they get sucked in? Well, for whatever reason, I think this is the real truth. This will save America, and therein lies the root problem, as we'll see. The think, thinking that we've got to save the country and because of the conspirators at large. If you're a Christian and you begin to take that seriously, you've already departed or on your way to depart from the faith, as we shall see. At the core of any conspiracy is deceit, the intent to deceive. For starters, listen to this, Jesus' words to the disciples from Matthew 24, verses 3 through 5. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Deception. Deception. To believe that the first Christ was the wrong one. <laughs> That's a deception. Mm -hmm. Conspiracy to get us to believe God is not who we thought. He's not good or he doesn't care. In fact, he has deceived us. That's how this conspiracy theory works. And best of all, here's the real deliverer. Here's the real Christ. The first one, no, no, no. Here is the Christ now. He's the political, spiritual person all rolled up into one. Well, what's the answer to that? Well, Christ crucified, risen, and returning is the full answer to that. Christian expectation is exactly that. There's not going to be another Christ to deliver us. That's been happening uh, for 2,000 years since the cross and resurrection and will be concluded at his return. For a conspiracy to work, it must be deceptive by nature. Now, God's plan for us, Jeremiah 29, 11, I have plans for you. They're good plans and not disastrous plans to give you hope in the future. God's plans for us are that, not deceptive, not a conspiracy. Satan's plan is against us. It's a conspiracy steeped in lies, and Satan is always, always conspiring against us. Christian expectation is this, that there's a satanic conspiracy, conspiracy to deceive the world and God's people. So let's start with the summation of the number one conspiracy and trace it through the Bible to its conclusion. Listen to these words as Randy reads them from Psalm 2, 1 through 3. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Now, some will say, well, why don't we start with Genesis chapter 3 and uh, where the, it begins in history? And we'll take a look at that. We're using this because of the nature of the conspiracies right now in our culture and have been throughout history that deal with conspiracy theories at the high-level government and this is where Satan likes to work, and that's why we need to address that. It's always been this way. Whether the anointed one, David, in this psalm in the original setting, or the son of David, Jesus, in its fulfillment, uh, both, as we'll see in Acts 4 and later on, maybe in a couple weeks or so, dealing with the book of Revelation, 
And note this conspiracy is political and governmental in nature. Conspiracies that originate at high government levels are the kind that can scare us the most, for we fear that the worst could happen, a takeover from the deep state, mm. a coup, or some other government collapse, so that the secure life we had will be destroyed and we become ruled by tyranny. That's why QAnon and these other things rise mm -hmm. up and people in desperate, even Christians, uh, fearing the worst, buy into it. When these things begin to happen, for instance, a stolen election by conspiracy, we can soon be swayed from the faith to devote our time and money on behalf of the present evil that must be corrected at all costs. And of course, our eyes are off of Jesus. Therefore, Satan likes these kinds of conspiracies the most. Now, this being a Psalm of David, just for the background, because conspiracy theories and conspiracies that are real are all through the Bible. Uh, listen to this conspiracy against David from 2 Samuel 15, verses 12, then 31. And while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, from his city, Gilo. And the conspiracy grew strong, and the people with Absalom kept increasing. Okay, Ahithophel, foreshadowing Judas, is uh, going to betray his friend David. Let's take a look at verse 31. And it was told David, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. So here we see, and we know who's behind this. The Old Testament may not mention it, but Satan is in the works, as we shall see with the more light from the New Testament. Then, interesting enough, this history with David and Ahithophel will play out later with Jesus. But listen to this now from 2 Samuel 17, verse 23. When Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and went off home to his own city. He set his house in order and hanged himself. And he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. So it was with the son of David, Jesus, who was betrayed by Judas, who also hanged himself. Mm. Satan's plan repeats itself. The Psalms say this about conspiracies. Listen to Psalm 83, verses 1 through 8. O God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they conspire with one accord. Against you they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebal and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre. Asher also has joined them. They are the strong arm of the children of Lot. And once again, conspiracies against uh, people of God, uh, David, uh, coming from various governmental groups, uh, the, the uh, nations of that day. But of course, we drop down to verses 17, 18, and we hear this. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know that you are, that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. There you go. So that's a prayer. That's that's how we deal with a conspiracy. Always, as with so many other things, prayer 
And because if it's a real conspiracy, we need a real prayer going up. If it's some kind of other thing, we need not to worry about it. God will take care of that. So the prophets themselves were conspired against. Jeremiah knew about this. This is Jeremiah 11, 21 through 23. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life and say, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, or you will die by our hand. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword, their sons and their daughters shall die by famine, and none of them shall be left. For I will bring disaster upon the men of Anathoth, the year of their punishment. Yes, our concern is to be concerned about the conspiracy against us, the people of God, and against God himself and his truth. That's where we should be. That's the first one, and the one main one priority you got to keep in mind. Here's a twist on the conspiracy, Amos 7, verses 10 and 11. Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. Right. Amos was preaching the truth, but uh, Amaziah called it a conspiracy. Um, we've seen a lot of that going around. To conspire, to plot with others, to take counsel together against others, to destroy them one way or the other. That's basically the idea of a conspiracy, like with Abraham Lincoln's assassination. The ultimate conspiracy is always against the Lord God and his anointed Jesus Christ, and therefore the followers of the Lord. Now listen to this passage from Acts 4, verse 23 through 27, which repeats the one we just read earlier, Randy did, uh, Psalm 2, and you'll see how it reaches a fulfillment in Jesus with a greater one yet to come. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, and when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, our servant, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers are gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Right. Conspiracy involving Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, Israel, the nation itself. Everybody was in on. And this is the one that Satan runs again and again. And we'll see it, uh, Lord willing, with our next podcast, take a look at What's Armageddon, since that's been in the news lately, and the end-time conspiracy. Satan has a common playbook. A common playbook doesn't, doesn't change, Yeah. And um, but yet people get sucked in on these things. Note now, uh, however, in Acts 4, how verses uh, 28 and 29 sum this up. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. In other words, yes, Satan will have his conspiracies, absolutely. And they will do harm, they'll do evil things. But all this is in the counsel of God, and it will work out to his glory and our good as we continue to persevere in the faith. The world under Satan's influence conspires, but God's purpose will prevail. So let's 
like the statement from Acts. Let's be bold in our faith in the knowledge that conspiracy will ultimately fail. But going back to uh, Jesus' own crucifixion, let's get some more information on conspiracy. Satan used Judas and the religious leaders of the day for this. Luke 22, verses 3 through 6. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was one of the number of the twelve. He went away and confirmed with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. There you go. Um, check out the components of the Bible's number one conspiracy uh, against always against Jesus and his people. Let's look at the components, the pattern that other conspiracies follow. Number one, the controlling conspirator, Satan. He's at the top. The collaborating conspirator, Judas. You've got to have a guy on the ground. The committed conspirators, those whose interests are threatened. Listen to this from John 11, verses 45 through 53. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Yes, uh, they conspired to put him to death, and this time that conspiracy has a whole lot more validity with it than when it first begins, way back if you look at the Gospel of Mark chapter 3. Uh, and notice... John says it's a prophecy. Now, for Caiaphas, it's, it's a conspiracy amongst those people to do away with Jesus. But nonetheless, this is going to be God's plan. Jesus dies for the people, for the world. So again, Satan spends his conspiracies, the worst one possible ever, putting to death the Son of God. And look what happened. God was in it, and look what came from it. And so people, we should not be moved. We should not be shaken by any conspiracy, because the worst one has been perpetrated and Jesus has already conquered. Notice also there's a, a currency conspiracy, money, money enough to ensure success. You know, we know that Judas got the money, all right? Did you know there was another conspiracy after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, involving money? Let's take a look at this, Matthew 28, 11 through 15. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. So, uh, 
money enough to ensure success. Follow the money. If there's no money, where's the conspiracy? Uh, so, Satan is not alone. Keep that in mind. He has people who are working for him, both human and angelic and demonic. Listen to this from Matthew 12, 26. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Yes, Satan has his own kingdom, his power base, and he can't uh, divide himself. He's got his group. Uh, there are the human factors of this group. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. Uh, these were false apostles who had infiltrated the church of Corinth and had their own conspiracy going to oust Paul and to uh, change the nature of the gospel. Revelation 12, 7 through 9, once again we see Satan with his fallen angels. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And so there you see, we've read about the human factor, Satan's power base, the fallen angels, and of course the, the demonic aspects of this which Jesus was addressing in Matthew 12. Uh, all of these are aimed at coming against Christ, the message of the gospel, the truth of God, and to fool the world and to get Christians to depart uh, in their uh, despair and fear and embrace some kind of conspiracy theory to save something that uh, is not the priority of what a Christian should be doing. Um, so, these schemes conspiracies are the same since Genesis. So yes, let's take a look, a brief look at Genesis, because we need to know, as Randy mentioned, this, this pattern that re is repeated and repeated by Satan. First of all, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Yes, the first conspiracy is to cast doubt upon God. And that's what he continues to do. God is not good. God has kept something back from you. He has deceived you. He can't be trusted. He can't be trusted. All of those things. Then verses 2 and 3. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. There you go. So now he has spun out a conspiracy theory about God. It's a deceit. Uh, but it works. This is, the, this is the issue. Eve pays attention. She gets distracted. She buys into it. And that's why when we have these conspiracy theories floating around, when we feel ourselves necessary to understand them and to say, maybe this is really happening. I need to you know, do something about it. Back off. Mm. Back off. They've been happening since Genesis chapter 3. That's not our priority. That's not the Christian expectation. Verses 4 and 5. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And there you go, the completion of that conspiracy. 
against God. And this is how Satan works down through the down through the thousands of years. In fact, going down maybe three or four thousand years later, something like that. Uh, let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 11, first four verses, where Paul is explaining to the church of Corinth, same things happening to you that happened to Eve. You've been conspired against. Pay attention. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from you um, from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you received a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. There you go. They were accepting a new kind of theory, a conspirator uh, had been put among them and deceived them about what they're supposed to be doing and changing the gospel. If they had kept their focus, that would not have happened. That's what Paul's saying. You, you're like Eve. You're buying into it. What we as Christians need to do is to be steadfast in our belief in the Scripture and these truths, and therefore we won't be subject to that conspiracy, which is the worst one possible, so we'll have enough sense to see through the other ones. Mm -hmm. Very important. Mm -hmm. Paul, of course, knew about conspiracies from personal experience. Listen to this one from Acts 23, verses 12 through 15. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now therefore you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you, as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready to kill him before he comes near. There you go. Of course, they didn't kill him. He's Paul's in the providence of God. And we're not saying Paul was perfect 100% in everything. He himself admits that. But here's the point. He was not going to die until it was God's time. And this conspiracy did not work. Uh, I'm reckoning that probably they broke their vow and ate something sooner or later. Uh, yeah, I don't think yeah, yeah. They, they weren't successful. I think his nephew saved him too. Yeah, right. Yeah, young, right. young boy. Yeah. 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 And notice in all this, there's no mention of Satan. But who's behind it? Well... Who chose Paul? Jesus. Who opposes Jesus? Christ. I mean, Satan. So here you go. That's a conspiracy. Uh, a conspiracy of Satan. Remember, he will strive to deceive the Christian to end his influence. Or failing that, kill him. He couldn't stop Paul, his influence. So the next thing to do is, is to kill him. That's how that works. That's why Jesus in John 9 says that Satan from the beginning was a liar and a murderer. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he has his schemes. Yes. Scheme is just another way of saying conspiracy. And therefore, we need to be prepared. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 11 on the, the context of spiritual warfare. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to stand against the schemes of the devil. There you go. Put on the whole armor of God. So this is constant. He's conspiring against us constantly, and this is the main one we need to be focused on, not the stuff you hear in the news every day, which will sooner or later pass away and be supplanted by another one. Mm. 
Uh, since we have a wealth of scripture showing us how he works, Satan, for instance, Jesus' temptations, Matthew you know, chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, uh, Peter and the disciples being sifted by Satan from Luke uh, 22, the coming of the Antichrist and all that, we of all people should not be ignorant of his conspiring ways. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what have I forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Yes, let us not be ignorant of his designs. If we are not, if we understand his designs, then we'll understand other conspiracies are just a pale imitation of the real one, and we've already got that one in focus, and above that is Jesus who we're looking at. So above all, we know that his major method in plotting is deception. Lies given with the cooperative people of the world conspiring to lead us from the faith. So what is his goal? Having failed in deceiving Jesus, he works to divert God's people and the world at large into believing other conspiracies matter more. Again, as I said, as long as he can get you to believe a conspiracy and pull you out of the faith, he's done his job. Mm -hmm. For example, the Russian dossier of Mr. Steele. A conspiracy involving, apparently, as far as I can tell, yes, deceit, ugly, corrupt. But if we despair, if we become chicken little, we'll take our eyes off the prize, Jesus, and we'll fall victim to Satan. Listen to Peter's wise words in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There you go. He's active. He's always on the prowl. And conspiracy theories is one of the ways he gets you to draw your attention away from the faith to what's going on that might be a threat to you, what's going on, especially from high levels of government. And we get all shook up and bothered by it. And pretty soon we're consumed with that instead of just doing our daily walk with the Lord. In the next verse, Peter says, resist him firm in your faith. That's the answer. The secret to dealing with conspiracies, as James backs up Peter, chapter 4, verse 7, is to, quote, submit to God and resist Satan, and he will flee. That's simple. And yet, how many Christians over the years have I seen get sucked into uh, conspiracy cults and mm -hmm. uh, there's some of these governmental theories that's going around about we got to do this because our country's going to uh, go down uh, the tubes. Um, we need to have the wisdom of James and Peter not to be drawn into secondary conspiracies as if they matter. Now, someone might say, doesn't it matter that some conspired in the last presidential election to keep President Trump from winning? Yes, if that's so. Okay, let's assume it's so. Well, what happens when our concerns then get more focused on that instead of the Lord who spends no conspiracies? If that's what we're going to do and get caught up in that, and trust me, a lot of people, Christians, have gotten caught up in that and focused on it, we will soon be swallowed up. And we know of those who have been. Mm -hmm. So, what to do? We need stability. Listen to these words of Paul from Ephesians 4, 8 through 15. It says it very well, what we are to be as a group of people, as a church before the Lord in our daily life. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. 
And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Yes, and listen to that verse 14 again. Um, Paul says we don't need to be children. Children are easily led astray. You know, we can do that because they're children. And he says we should be basically adult and settled and stable, grounded in what we believe. Otherwise, we'll be tossed to and fro by the waves. That shows somebody who just is not in control. They're, they're being controlled by the circumstances, mm-hmm. by the situation, by the conspiracy theories that are going around and carried about by every wind of doctrine. The wind comes from all directions. You'll get blown every direction. And these people end up in a mess when they buy into these things. And then lastly, craftiness and deceitful schemes. Well, that's a conspiracy. That's what that is. Satan knows there are those of us who are bewitched by such things. The conspiracy that spins a story is the best way Satan serves his lies. Remember, even if they are true, like a stolen election, it's not a conspiracy. Maybe eventually we'll see that it's the truth. We can still be defeated by the toll it takes on our pursuit of God if that's where we spend our time worrying about that and donating our time, energy, and money to such things. Our goal with God's help is to abide in the truth and so know that when the world Satan, the world or Satan is trying uh, by conspiracy to pull us away from the Lord, uh, we don't do that. Avoid all secondary conspiracies which can draw us away from the truth. Remember the prayer that we're supposed to be praying on a regular basis of some kind, uh, the Lord's Prayer, how it ends, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one? Absolutely. Um, John 17, 15, Jesus says to his father in that great prayer, I pray that you not take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And that's, that's in that great prayer that ends that whole section of the Gospel of John. So clearly our main concern is to know how to have faith in the Lord and defeat the wiles, the conspiracies of Satan, not buy into them, and know that the greatest conspiracy has already failed Jesus will come back, and that will we'll address that maybe in a couple of weeks, Lord willing. Um, so, if we have the faith to stand against the wiles of Satan and the things that truly matter, love of the truth, so as not to be deceived and fall prey to the fear that paralyzes and makes us irrational, we can let all other conspiracies just drone on until either they're proven true or false. And whether true or false, The world will keep on being the same world with other conspiracies to follow. So let's close with the words of Jesus, which I have counseled whenever I've counseled people formally, informally, even in conversations. I always use this because it is great word of advice, especially for those of us who get shook up so easily on, on, oh, have you heard what's happening now? What the government's going to do and all that. Listen to this. This is the wisdom of how to avoid being entangled in the world's conspiracies Uh, into worldly worries that can ruin us. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, 
or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Inflation is coming as a theory. Yes, is the, the present administration is causing this. They're doing it for a reason. Price and of milk is going up. Price of milk and <laughs> eggs. And I just yes. saw the PPI this, this week and uh, how that's gone up. And all that. What does Jesus say? Forget oh, about that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't buy into the theories that tell us why we're having to pay so much for money or whatever it's done, true or false. But I love the last line. I mean, after he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God is righteous, and all these things will be taken care of. You'll be taken care of. All right? Then he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Absolutely. We should take that to heart. Mm -hmm. And that's the Christian expectation. Well, thanks, Jim. We've got a lot to think about, and I'm sure that there might be questions and comments on it. We'd love to hear those questions and comments from you, so please send your questions and comments to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com. We'll use your question or comment where possible. We will always answer you. This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations, and until next time, keep looking up.